for threat actors that are going to come in, they're going to have hands on keyboard, they're going to exploit your systems, move laterally throughout there with the goal of distributing ransomware into your environment. So what in the past has been considered a really mundane threat, in reality is one of the number one ways that really sophisticated threat actors get into your network. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with HIMSS. Today I'm sitting down with Keith Jarvis, Senior Counter Threat Unit Technical Lead for Cybercrime Research at SecureWorks. And today, we're talking about the venerable drive-by download in 2022, how healthcare organizations can protect themselves. And before we start, I'd like to say thank you to SecureWorks for sponsoring this podcast. Keith, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, could you please tell us a little bit about your background and what you do? Right, yes. So I've been at SecureWorks for 10 years now. Uh, I am mostly a threat intelligence analyst and malware reverse engineer focusing on cyber criminal threats. So we do get a lot of threats from government-sponsored threat actors, but the the lion's share of stuff that SecureWorks sees in client telemetry is cybercrime. So that's what we spend a lot of our time working through. What does venerable mean in the title of your presentation? Right. So what we were hinting at with the word venerable here is that this is a threat class that's been with us for a long time, many decades. So it's not something new that we're talking about. It's just something that maybe people have in the back of their mind and don't really prioritize. Uh, but it's there. It's it's leading to a lot of very sophisticated threat actors getting into to networks and, and doing real harm. I see. So uh, how do you define a drive-by download? Right. So us, a drive-by download is really any executable content that's delivered to a victim system when they're either not expecting a download to happen or they are out there on the Internet trying to download something. But what they receive is completely misrepresented. So a lot of times people will stumble into a website during a web search. Maybe it's linked off of Google or Bing or another search engine. Uh, They arrive at that site and they're presented with, oh, you can't continue because... Uh, your your browser needs to be updated and you, mm-hmm. you click on update and you get a, a file downloaded to your system. You weren't expecting that at all. And maybe you navigate to it and execute it. And that results in you having malware on your system now. I see. Um, I sure remember, you know, people used to download, you know, things like, you know, oh, download your favorite song, download, you know, a new, a new cursor, things like that. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, going back to this is not a new threat class. So what you're talking about is maybe the good old days, you know, 20 years ago when you're on a, a peer-to-peer file sharing platform like LimeWire or BitTorrent or something like that. And you go to download a song, but really it's just a virus. Um, you know, it's just a different platform than sort of what we're talking about today, which is mostly through the web. Uh, so with that, it's just file sharing. So yeah, it's the same old thing. Okay, I get you. So um, with that in mind, why are drive-by downloads important and why should we learn about them today? I think just because they're so ubiquitous um, to people who are browsing the internet, trying to, you know, do their jobs to, you know, uh, log into social networks, to do research for work. And they have a really good chance of stumbling into one of these drive-by downloads just by going about their business throughout a day. I know I'm a security researcher. I'm I'm researching a lot of things online. And every once in a while, I'll stumble into one of these things accidentally that, you know, I've done research on in the past. So it's it's not difficult to run into these things because there's just so many compromised websites out there, so many attacker-operated websites out there that are attempting to push these drive-by downloads onto people that you really have a hard time going more than a day or two on the internet without getting one of these pushed to you. 
Wow. So it sounds like there are many drive-by downloads out there. Which ones will you be talking about today? And why did you choose those to talk about? Right. So there's a lot of different frameworks that threat actors use to, to push these. Um, each one has a, a unique and kind of goofy name um, that threat researchers have given them over the years. Uh, but they're operated by different cyber criminal threat groups, right? Um, so they're independently operated. Uh, some big ones that we see at SecureWorks Client Telemetry are one called SOTGOLISH, another one called GOOTLOADER, but there's also other frameworks like one we call SETCORD. Um, but all of these really are important because they're not just dropping really mundane malware on your system like a, a browser extension that shows you ads or, or, or funnels you into a, a, a computer support scam. These are things that are providing access into your corporate networks um, for threat actors that are going to come in, they're going to have hands on keyboard, they're going to exploit your systems, move laterally throughout there with the goal of distributing ransomware into your environment. So what in the past has, has been considered a really mundane threat in reality is one of the number one ways that really sophisticated threat actors get into your network. Um, SOC Goalish in particular is one that we've seen for the last three years. It almost always tops out in our metrics as far as um, malware enabled access into corporate networks. Um, it's one that uh, is run by a very sophisticated um, and and, and uh, prevalent threat group uh, called Gold Drake, um, also called Evil Corp in, in open source reporting. Uh, this is a group that's been involved with financial crimes uh, for decades. Uh, they moved to ransomware a number of years ago and they're one of the, the top perpetrators of that. Uh, there's another group called Gootloader. Um, they mainly rely on uh, poisoning search engine results. So you may go online looking for a contract agreement for a rental property. Um, Google or Bing will send you to a WordPress site um, that had a top result for that. Uh, but by going to that site, you'll then be given a, a malware file, which is the Google Loader malware. Um, so these two together really are the lion's share of, of drive-by threats that we see in, in our data. Wow. So um, how does it happen that websites get compromised in this way? Right. So there's basically two different um, ways that these frameworks are set up. One is where the attacker just owns and operates all the infrastructure, right? So they're paying for the websites, the hosting, they're paying for the SSL certificates. Um, they might even be paying for the, um, you know, the ads and, and the, the search engine results that are leading into their framework. Um, so there's really no compromised infrastructure whatsoever. But the majority of these frameworks really are built on the back of um, just the millions of websites out there that are poorly secured. So what we're talking about is usually content management systems like Joomla or WordPress. Uh, people set these up for a local business, say a, a plumber or a local restaurant, and they, they just want to get their business out there with contact information. They set it up and then they never touch it again or until an update is needed once a year or whatever. And, and these sites usually end up sort of piling up with vulnerabilities. They get out of date or mm. administrator picks a, a poor password and they get brute forced. And then once uh, a threat actor has compromised that site, they, they can just use it to their ends. These uh, malicious websites, uh, they're pretty widespread. What do you do as an administrator or a user if you come across one of these sites? Right. So certainly if it's hosted on your infrastructure, your corporate infrastructure, you know, you need to start an incident response plan and, and try and take that down. But as an ordinary user that comes across these, I hate to say it, but it's almost a futile effort to try and report those, um, though you certainly would be a, a good citizen for trying that. 
usually what happens is these compromised websites are just so large in, in volume and number that there's difficult. It's really difficult to try and take them down in mass. So we, usually, what happens is either the uh, the operator of the website needs to correct the vulnerability that led to the threat actors getting in there, or you need to send an email or abuse report to their actually hosting provider, uh, and they'll take down the website um, on your behalf. As far as attacker controlled infrastructure, that is, the you know the threat actor is is buying the the hosting, uh, they're running the infrastructure. That really has to go to the hosting provider um, to take to take that infrastructure down. Because obviously, if you're sending an abuse report to a threat actor who knows exactly what they're doing, they're just going to ignore it. I see. So there's no kind of unified system for reporting a malicious site and having it taken down. No, unfortunately, it's all it's all very balkanized. Um, it really just goes by hosting provider by hosting provider. So um, if you find a website that's infected, that's delivering a drive-by download, you can certainly do a, a light investigation into who's hosting it, uh, send a, a, an email to their abuse email address, or if they have a web form for submitting that type of stuff, um, you would, again, be a good citizen for doing that. I don't know how much um, attraction you're going to get, but uh, that, that's how those things get taken down. I see. So how can organizations protect themselves from this kind of attack? Is this about better employee training or about uh, buying some new kind of security tool? Like, you know, how can they protect themselves? Right. Protection really does have to center on effective IT security controls um, on both the network and the endpoint. I mean, there is an opportunity for user training, but the the results there are, are diminishing very quickly. Um, so we know that user training does have some results uh, on the top end, but there's only so many times you can you can tell a person not to click on a link or, or not to download a file and not to double click on something like that before uh, it really just goes into the ongoing drone of corporate training that everyone is subjected to. So really what we recommend is that the IT departments take the lead on this. If you go on the World Wide Web and you download a file, you know, on a corporate network, the, the IT security team should be able to have visibility into what's being downloaded and from where, uh, from the network perspective. And then from an endpoint perspective, they should have a, an idea of what's been downloaded to a, a folder locally, what a user has navigated to and double click through, uh, if an executable has run there, uh, if there are any antivirus detections for that, uh, if that user was then seeing contacting machines within the network um, where they normally wouldn't have. Mm. That's really where protection has to center is on our ability as security practitioners to sort of detect and respond to that. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes the uh, best defense is a good offense, right? Absolutely. So what should an organization do if they have been compromised with one of these things? Right. Going back to what we just said is, is first to put yourself in a position to detect it. Um, so if you're not able to detect it, then you're not able to respond to it, right? So um, that's the number one thing, because a lot of these compromises, once they're in motion, they, they happen very quickly. So the, the, the cycle with your bootloader malware you know, lands on the system. And within you know, an hour, uh, there's a human attacker uh, typing away, you know, moving laterally within your network. And if you haven't had visibility on that attack yet, um, you're already behind. But once you have detected, the number one thing you should do is immediately have a plan for you know, isolating that host, pulling it off of the network. Um, not necessarily wiping it and forgetting it and reissuing a new machine. We recommend that basically when every organization encounters one of these drive-by downloads is to really do a proper investigation you know, to, to whatever capability you have internally. If you need to bring in an outside firm, that's also great. Um, but do investigate, do forensically capture that machine to try and figure out what happened, what data was lost. 
Um, it's also important to work with the victim um, that downloaded, you know, the drive-by download in the first place uh, to evaluate what, what may have been stolen from their machine, right? So a lot of people have a mixture of, of private data and corporate data on their on their machines, um, and, and it's all entangled. So you want to tell them that you've had something land on your computer that stole all of your saved credentials, may have stolen files, et cetera. So you need to go through your personal accounts and take a look at changing passwords and, 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 and so forth and looking for fraud alerts. Uh, but also from an IT perspective, you need to, uh, the, the administrators need to say, okay, this, this person had access to these internal applications or these file shares. Um, that all went out the door. The, the threat actors now have those credentials, now have a map of the internal network. So we need to do um, some password resetting um, you know, on, on our end too, just to kind of figure out what they stole and what they have access to with that information that they've stolen. I see. Now, um, where can our listeners go to get specific information if they want to learn more? Right. So, uh, of course, we have our Threat Intelligence Summit where I went into a little bit more detail on the three different most prominent drive-by download frameworks, uh, Sot, Golish, Gootloader, and SetCord. Uh, that's a 20-minute presentation. So they can go there uh, to learn what our opinion is on these different frameworks. Um, obviously, they can go to uh, you know Google and, and search for, for any of these threat names. Um, there's a lot of research out there, not just from SecureWorks, but from, from other respected security vendors who kind of go into the, the real details of, of how these things operate. So if you're an IT administrator or you're in charge of a security program, go take a look at, uh, at the most recent blogs that are out there and kind of get a feel for, for how these things progress once they land on a, on a system and, and identify where your gaps are in your network. Terrific. Well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us today and for your insights. And again, special thanks to SecureWorks for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day.